Hey guys. Hey guys. Hello. Oh, who's that that? voice? No, it's good. It's It's good. Yeah, it's totally fine. We do things unscripted here, (laughs) if you didn't notice. Hi guys. So, uh, Holy Namers can easily recognize that voice. It is the uh, one and only K-Dog, Corey LaCroix. You're literally the only person who's ever called that. (laughs) Rachel Stevens. K-Dog. Okay, you're right. Uh, anyways, but you're right. They don't call you K-Dog. <laughs> I call you K-Dog. Okay, anyways. Uh, Corey's uh, finger, he showed up, and his finger is like black and blue. I thought he painted it. Mm-hmm. Um, like his fingernails. It's like his, blue. yeah. It looks like he painted his fingernail yeah. blue. And then he said something about an axe, and now I'm intrigued. And so we'd like you to tell us yes, what has a cat crawling on his face right now. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it's okay. I like cats. Uh, yeah, so this weekend we were having a bonfire and I was getting ready like for the bonfire so I was splitting wood with my sweet axe mm. it's like three feet long and uh, like every once in a while like when you don't get a clean cut like you gotta pull the axe out and like I'm already get cringing. positioned again mm. and so like I needed to get my axe back in the piece of wood and so I was like holding the piece of wood and I was just gonna like try to squeeze it in but I, I couldn't get it in there so I like gave it a little force but rather than hitting the piece of wood I totally just like at the top of my finger and it was like instant like this, this is going to be a little graphic, but, like, blood was just, like, flying a little bit out of my finger. Flying? Yeah, it was, like, squirting. No! Like, gushing. It was, it, yeah, and Ames and Celia were like, are you okay, Dad? Like, um, yeah. So you had to, like, you had to, like, tame it down so you didn't freak him out. Right, and <laughs> thankfully I was able to, like, this is going to sound real gross, but I was able to squeeze blood. Okay. Because, like, that, it hurt really bad when I hit it, but then it was, like, hurting more and more as blood was, like, pooling underneath my fingernail. Oh, my I was able to squeeze God. it out, and I thought I was good, but later that night... We're playing with the kiddos, and I'm just like sitting on the floor. My little girl comes over, she wants to say something, and she steps on my finger. Oh, no! Yeah, I'm not even joking. And I think that like actually hurt more when she stepped on I'm my sure finger. I'm sure it did. You know? And like, how do you not react yeah, to get axe. mad at her? Oh, no, I but just like... like yelled like a little child. <laughs> yeah, it was really embarrassing. And she was like, kind of like, are you okay, Dad? Because I was like moaning, right? Oh. Um, yeah. And I think it's I think it's gonna my fingernail's gonna fall off. Okay, did you have to like did you have to get it sti- like I don't see any like no, cut no. or like like Yeah, no. So like basically like just like the axes aren't really sharp. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're meant they're not meant to like be super sharp. They're meant like to to cut with like force because you're swinging a, a piece of metal, right? Oh, uh, so it's more so, about bruising. Yeah, and I wasn't, slicing. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't like swinging really hard. So like, I cut my my skin, but the nail didn't get cut. It just like destroyed my finger underneath my fingernail. Oh my God. Okay, well here's the Four really nails. important question. Yeah. Did you have the bonfire still? Oh, of course we had the bonfire. <laughs> I love bonfires. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure that. that yeah, didn't, you know, for sure. Off your... We had a social distancing bonfire. Bonfires are the best. Bonfires are actually perfect for social distancing. That's true. It is. Because you all stand like, away from each other yes, anyway. Yes, like you're automatically like sitting six feet apart. Yep. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's really true. I like that. Okay. Hi. Cool. The cat is still like being coming. Well, yeah. I think she also friends. likes men, as weird as oh, that sounds. Sure. She, I've like watched her gravitate towards men specifically. Like if there are guys yeah. in the room, she really? wants to go play with them. Yeah. I have no idea why. I think maybe she's schmoozing. Maybe she could be the cover, of the artwork cover of this episode, the cat. 
Maybe. Yeah. Oh my, oh my gosh. gosh. Don't. Yeah. Okay, don't, don't worry, I have a delinter for you. Oh, yeah, for we you. do. We do. <laughs> delinter. <laughs> shed all over you. Oh like my goodness. Delinter. Delinter. That's a weird word. Delinter, Super I like weird. that. So anyways, guys, uh, we have, you just blow a cat here in the air. Sorry, okay. We have Corey LaCroix here with us, as you have figured out. And uh, Corey, because there are some St. Mike's kids listening, they've probably had you come in. uh, I know they've had you come in and speak to them, but do you want to just give like a super duper brief intro Mm -hmm. of yourself? Yeah, for sure. Um, My name's Corey. Uh, Uh, a little weird and awkward, actually super weird and awkward. Um, I, ha- I have a wife and four kids. Alicia and I met in eighth grade. We've been married ten years. We'll actually be married ten years in like thirty days, which is Ooh. cool. Right? Uh, we have four kids, ranging in ages from twenty-one down to um, one year. So twelve. What was it? Twenty-one. How old's Ames? Ames is six. Celia's four, and then the little baby is uh, a year old. Yay. Yep. So I'm sure a lot of people picked up on the fact that there's a bit of an age gap there. Would you mm-hmm, be willing to tell mm-hmm. us about your yeah. first daughter and For sure. how that came to be? Yeah. So our oldest daughter, um, Alicia and I, uh, we adopted her when she was 17, uh, gosh, four years ago now. And I if I would have to rewind before, like, maybe like two years even before that, when Alicia and I were first married, um, I would come home. And she'd be like, Corey, look at these kids. And she'd like pull up kids who were like waiting to be adopted. Mm-hmm. And she's like, we should adopt them. It was like before we had kids, we've been married for like a year. And I was like, what? <laughs> and you guys got like, married really young, right? Yeah. So we were 21 when we got married. Um, so like, yeah, at this point, we're like 22 years old, you know. And I said, like, I don't know, you know. So, but she like would keep coming back to that. What do, what do you think about adopting now? What do you think about adopting? And I always thought like, I always knew like adoption would be a part of our story of our family and our marriage but i thought it'd be later and so then when after our first baby was born ames he was like a year old and she goes what if we adopted like a teenager like little different you know the mm-hmm. little different um needs in terms of where they're at in life you know one who's going to high school football games and cheerleading and you know doing doing physics and the others you know taking naps and having their diaper changed what do you think about that and i was like no absolutely not (laughs) and then uh she's like okay how about this what if we um did the adoption training like and just as a step in discernment like let's see if you know we'll take this to prayer get do the training and then through that process discern and ask the lord like is this something you want us to do and so we jumped into the training and um it was like 60 hours of training and every week they they uh kind of prepare you of what it's like to be an adoptive family and there's two things that really like moved my heart in that experience and the first was when they brought in parents of adoptive families and just talked about their experience mm-hmm. of adopting and how beautiful and wonderful and challenging and hard um it was um, and how they would totally do it again. They wouldn't think twice about it. Mm-hmm. And, but then the thing that they did that really just, um, was, I guess was the, the, hmm, the exclamation point for me was when they brought in a panel of teenagers, like wanting moms and dads. Uh, yeah. Stop. No, I'm not joking. Oh my God. Yeah. So like, and I think it, 
I think it's wise, like, not because you're going to, like, convince people, like, oh, yeah, you should adopt. Now, look, at these are the kids. But because, like, you really see that, like, adoption has a face. Like, mm-hmm. this is real, you know. Yeah. There's hundreds of kids in our state alone, thousands of kids across the country who want moms and dads. And, um, you know, and when you, when you hear that, when you hear a 16-year-old kid say, you know, I just... I just want a place to go home to at Christmas. I want a place to go to and ask somebody, like, how do I change my tire? I want somebody oh. to say I love you too, or somebody to call mom, or I just like want my own room, you know, or you know, I want to. I don't want to worry about. Um, will I have? Will I have a family in the future? You know, I want. I want a family, and isn't that like? Yeah. So like hearing all of that. Um, at that point, it was like, well, we got three empty bedrooms. I guess we could adopt three kids, you know. But, <laughs> but it's good that we didn't do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then um, we were blessed to uh, meet Armanda. Um, I, th- I don't know if I should say her name. I think it's probably okay. She'd be okay with that. Um, yeah, we were, we were blessed to meet Armanda. Um, and we just totally hit it off right away. Alicia and I, and then at the time, Ames was like maybe 12 or 13, 14 months old. And um, yeah, I would say it was like one of the hardest, but one of the most beautiful things that like we've ever done. And when I say we, I mean like Alicia, myself, Armanda and Ames, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's like, we all choose each other, you know? Mm -hmm. Like Armanda, like, you know, she has freedom and she could be like, no, forget you guys, you know? And so like that comes back a lot in our conversations about our family is like, you know, family in some senses you don't choose, you know, Mm. but in some senses in adoption, like you definitely choose each other, you know, and you have to keep choosing each other as family. So yeah, that's an amazing segue into what we wanted to really dive into with you today, just because your family, I think is so awesome. Um, and I know a lot of our teens here who are listening are spending a lot of extra quality time with their family right now. And it can be hard, yeah. right? Like spending all of this time with your family can be really yeah, hard. And I think sure. a lot of the underlying tensions that were going on before that were unspoken yeah. are coming out now. You know, <laughs> it's like when you spend two weeks locked in a room with your family, it's it's going to get intense a little bit, right? Yeah, so for sure. I know that there's positives and negatives to spending that much time with family. Um, and I, I've heard a lot of the teens say like, oh, we're having family dinner every night and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But then I've also heard some people say like, yeah, my sibling is home from college and I just want them to go back to college. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> they're being super annoying, right? So um, what we really wanted to talk to you, to you about today is the concept of the domestic church Mm. and John Paul II talked about the church being a domestic church and Ashley wanted to read a quote about it just to kind of give the listeners like a definition of what we mean when we say domestic church but then we want to talk about you and your family and how you're living that out yeah so do you want to read that quote yes I do okay this is from my fave JP2 Catholic parents must learn to form their family as a quote domestic church a church in the home, as it were, where God is honored, his law is respected, prayer is a normal event, virtue is transmitted by word and example, and everyone shares the hopes, the problems, and sufferings of everyone else. Mm. All this is not to advocate a return to some outdated style of living. 
It is to return to the roots of human development and human happiness. Mm. Isn't that beautiful? Um, that's a tall order, right? Like that's, uh, like Lexi and I are both single still. Like we don't have that like responsibility the way that, mm-hmm. that you and Alicia do, but, uh, we think you are doing really well at that. Like, can you speak to kind of how you, um, how you see your family mm-hmm. as that domestic church? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think like, first of all, first off, I think like the word domestic is kind of weird. It is kind of you weird. Know, domestic. Like, yeah, like I think and, about being like, like domesticated, like yeah, like right, yeah. Like we have this cat like crawling all over us, and it's a domestic cat, <laughs> right. right? Like as opposed to like <laughs> right. a wild, a wild cat. feral cat, right. you know. Um, and so I think like in that sense, like that's not that's not the domestic we're talking about here, yeah. Right, like you know, if this is like a tame, potty trained, does the right thing, <laughs> mm-hmm. like in line kitty, right, like. That's not what we're looking for when we're talking about like a domestic church. We want not potty trained kids. We want not potty trained <laughs> families. And it only took us 13 minutes to make a potty joke. Corey LaCroix good. is it's back. It's actually pretty good for me. Um, and I made it. Yeah. That is true. That is but true. like, I think in the sense, like, in a sense, like the domestic church is like, um, when, at least how I think about it is it's like the, it's the fragrant offering extension, like from mm. mother church, you know, like, you know, as we say, go at the end of mass, like, okay, your family, go, like, go be the offering to the world, you know, go be priest, prophet, king. Um, so I like to think about the domestic church for sure, just like as an accountability, like, how am I doing that? You know, like, what does it look like for me? as uh, Alicia and I, right, as priests in our home to, like, um, sacrifice. You know, how are we sacrificing for one another? How are we sacrificing for our neighbors? How are we sacrificing for our kids? Um, what does it look like to, to be prophets? Like, to be that mirror for each other and call each other back to, to truth, to beauty, to goodness, to Jesus? Um, and then, what does it look like to be king and to be protectors, you know, of mm-hmm. our home? And um, really, like, the kingship that Jesus models is one of self-gift and sacrifice, you know? So, like, how am I doing that, you know, with my children and with my with my wife, with my neighbors? Um, yeah. I th- mm-hmm. Do you, do you mind me asking, and we can cut this out if you don't want to share it, but yeah. I remember you telling me about a scripture verse, and you kind yeah. of hinted at it, that yeah. is a verse for your family. Yeah. Do you mind sharing that? Well, so that fragrant offering, yeah. it was the gospel from our, our wedding right like mm. just this idea that like um you know our, as a, this n- union of man and woman that like we entered into covenant together like what was it 10 years ago now like it's with an intention and with an aim and with a focus that isn't us like i didn't marry alicia so that i could be consumed by alicia she didn't marry me to be consumed by me like we entered into a covenant with god together to serve god in the world right mm. And I think that, like, in that sense, like, the domestic church, like, the church is ultimately, um, like, the vessel for all of the people of God, like, to go to heaven. And so as a domestic church, like, how are we embodying that? Not just for the people who live in our homes, but, like, for everybody who witnesses our family or who sits at our table or who comes over for uh, a meal, right? Or who kids we babysit, right? Like, do they experience that profound love and mercy and acceptance of God? 
like when they're in our orbit and in our in relationship with us. That gets me so hyped because I think about how many couples in our culture today and even like the ideal that seems to be portrayed for couples in our culture right now, like when you watch movies and when, you know, you, you see you know, reality shows and stuff like that, they do marry each other for each other. Mm-hmm. And like there's kind of this, I feel like that's put up on a pedestal even, that we don't even think about the idea of getting married so that you as a couple can be a gift to the world. Like, mm-hmm. I guess I just see so many... It's like the end of the love story is, and then they found each other. Mm. Like the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And we think of that, I know I have fallen into like, and that's the end of the story. And then after that, it's like, oh, the romance dies off in a few years yeah. because that was the end of the story. Like, they found each other. Right. You know? And so I think it's just so cool that you guys are like, no, our our wedding day was like the start of our mission together yeah. as a couple. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you talk about some of the ways that you guys are like doing that concretely? Um, I know that where mm-hmm. you chose to live yeah. is a part of your your mission and like that fragrance. Sorry, the cat is no, sniffing good, good. his ear and now his face. <laughs> um, she's so in love with you. It's kind of funny. This cat um, is COVID nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> because we're done. Did you, you know that the Humane Society, I'm pretty sure it was, released a statement that animals don't transfer COVID-19 because yeah, so many I people were dropping that. off their animals oh, at the shelter because oh, they were worried about them spreading COVID-19. No. It's okay. Um, anyway, okay, yeah. So will you guys like talk yeah. about some of the concrete ways that you're living out that mission? Yeah, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I think like it. part of it's like an everyday choice, you know, of cat is like wants them to make out I, like i can't even like <laughs> listen because much. she's so crazy she, okay like, i'm so has sorry her arm up on his arm and yeah. is just she's, she's in like, love yeah flirting with me she is kidding um oh geez what we're we talking about okay you what your family's mission is how oh, you're yeah. it out concrete yeah yeah, 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 yeah yeah um i think like first off uh, maybe to kind of bring it back to the other question is um like our most recent saying like um, St. John Henry Newman, right? He has this line where he talks about us all being a link in a chain. And he's he not created us for not. He's created with us for a purpose, mm-hmm. with a mission, right? And this idea that, like, if I don't do this mission, if I don't say yes to the Lord's mission for my life, like, nobody else can. I think that totally applies to marriage, you know? Like, for every marriage, the Lord has a specific intention and a purpose. And... Sometimes it's like, I would say the vast majority of the time, it's, it's the people before you. Like, what's the, what's the mission in marriage? Mm-hmm. The mission is the person before you. It's the people in your house. It's your kids, right? Mm-hmm. But then, like, and in a greater degree, it's like, okay, Lord, like, what are the gifts in, that you have given us as individuals and then as a couple? And what, is, what are those gifts that we only realize by being married? And now how do you want to use that, like, for others? Right, and I think gift, gift is always about someone else. It's either like for God, for, um, oh, or for the people before you, for a community, for the church. So, sure. um, some of those things I think is just a more rather than like a, a what have we done. It's more been I would like put the emphasis on the posture of like, okay, Lord, like everything that you bring before us, rather than looking at. It, like crazy like we're gonna take it to prayer and and, and try to be open mm-hmm. in case you're calling us and 
I would, I would come back to just Alicia's just desire to open our home and our family to anybody who might be in need, you know. Um, so, I mean, some of those things is uh, we were, we decided like we didn't want um, to, uh, to be afraid or to be in fear about like where we chose to live and being two farm country kids. I grew up on a farm. She grew up in the country um, a mile down the road from my parents' farm. Um, we're just like, okay, God, like, where do you want us to live after we're married? And so we decided to live in the city and we kind of had our eye on a couple different areas and I had a cousin who invited us to come over for dinner and, uh, it was in North Minneapolis and so many people around us who had no personal connection to North Minneapolis were like, you should not live there. And I think there was just a lot of stigma in the minds of people around North Minneapolis community. And so we said, um, you know, we, we went there, we'll, for sure, we'll go there for dinner, we went there for dinner. And then after dinner, there was like 20 kids in his backyard playing basketball. And it was just so much life and it was alive. And, so cool. Yeah. Um, the, the diversity in, you know, socioeconomic status and in race, right? And um, in character, right? And all these things, it was just like abundant. It was alive. Wow. And uh, I would say Alicia and I left and we're like, no, we, we got to live here. Like, this is awesome to see, to see this. And, um, and I would say like, we didn't move to North Minneapolis with this desire to like, um, to like be, be saviors or to like, to change things mm -hmm. or to, um, you know, whatever, like we move there just with this intention, like we don't live here because we love this community and, and we appreciate it. And we want to meet people that are different than us and we want to be good neighbors you know like we want to be a door that is answered when people ring the doorbell wow. you know and whatever's on the other side of the door we know is like is christ and if it if that's a mom and her six kids looking for a place to stay like okay so then we got to pray about you know and we've done that and wow. if that's somebody looking for a meal okay and you know let's do that mm. if that's somebody if that's a kid who's just like wants to play in the backyard and his parents like want to come over for dinner. Okay, let's do that. So I think just, uh, I think we, I know I'm rambling on about this, but, um, when we were in this, in the country, like, um, that kind of like closeness or proximity to serve others, like we literally have to get in a car to go mm -hmm. to town. Right. And to serve, but like now, like people come, you know, there's, there's knock and it's like, I have to make the choice. Am I, am I going to answer the door? And if I'm going to answer the door, am I going to be a person of compassion and love? You know, wow. we, Lexi and I are like, okay, I'll speak for myself, but I can say that you're inspired by that too. Just based on oh the conversations gosh. that Lexi and I've had, we've recently been really reflecting on, um, there's kind of this, this tendency, I think among Catholics, among Christians in general, mm -hmm. Um, to find your people and like stay with your people mm -hmm. and be like, um, like this is where it's safe. Everybody has the same views like as me. The gated community, the gated concept. community concept. Yeah. And and while we are as youth ministers always telling our teens like find friends that will hold you accountable. Like absolutely pay attention to the people you're hanging out with and living life with, yeah. uh, sharing your heart with, etc. Like absolutely yeah. be intentional about that. But I think that if we're not careful, we can start to like make that like a us versus them mm -hmm. or like this, like we, we have this, 
this community that we've created and we don't really want to exit out of it. And I think that like what you're speaking to is something that is so essential that like, it's not us versus them. Like it's a, we, we're all a, we, like Mm -hmm. we are all human beings Mm -hmm. that have far more in common than we have different. And just living our lives in such a way that like we see the humanity of every person before us and we Mm -hmm. see them as Lexi was saying earlier to me, we see them as like, no, you're meant to be my brother. You're meant to be my sister in Christ. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's just like, so that's just so, it's so inspiring to me. I remember the first time that I heard, I think it was Pat actually told me about your family and like where you live and why. Mm-hmm. And I was so crazy inspired because I had just come home from college and I went to college in Steubenville, Ohio. And so growing up in Prior Lake, it was like, a really well-to-do community, you know, with a lot of, uh, it's obviously kind of a stigma, but a lot of wealthy white people, Mm -hmm. you know? And then going to Steubenville, it was this super impoverished, Mm -hmm. run-down community. Mm -hmm. And it was racially diverse. It was, uh, but it was really, there was a lot of poverty Mm -hmm. and drug addiction, drug abuse. Um, it was, it was a rundown community. A lot of people who weren't working for various reasons, not because they didn't want to, um, some of them because they didn't want to, but it was so, it was such a wake up call for me that, wow, these people are still human. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And not only are they still human, like they're my brothers and my sisters Mm -hmm. and I'm called to reach out to them. And I remember it was actually really hard coming back to the well-to-do community because it was like my heart had kind of been captured by this whole other portion of the population that I had never had my eyes on because I was so in my own community. And so I just, I love the way that you guys are living Mm. and it's super inspiring Mm -hmm. to me as well. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a story? Like I know you talked about the mom and her six kids. Can you just like tell us a story about a time when you saw that decision, that openness, that posture, Mm. like pay off? Oh yeah, I see it all the time. Um, I think there's maybe there's two ways I can answer that. The first I would say is I really learned um, through like being living where we live, um, and at this point, like I don't even think about it. It's just like this is our home, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a, like a different or a wow or a crazy or you know thing. It's just like it's what is. Um, but I've really like learned humility, you know, and that Jesus, he says like, you can do nothing without me, nothing. And it's not 50%, it's not 25%, mm-hmm. it's nothing. And I think that posture towards everybody we encounter, right? Um, as a high school student, as an adult, like I have to look at myself and realize that everything that I am and everything that I have and everything that I will do is a gift. You know, and if, if I don't believe that, then it's very easy for me to sit outside of somebody else's situation and say, they need to figure their stuff out. Mm. Right. I have this figured out. Why? Like, they just have to make a choice. Um, and that, that can get a little dangerous, you know, because then we put ourselves in the, in the position, right. Of. Um, superior, right? Where like we can look down on others because you know they're they 
are struggling to get a job or they're struggling to provide for their kids or they're um, maybe to, to, they're struggling to like pass a class or they're struggling to make the right choice or even the faith perspective, they're struggling in, in like to, to make faith a priority in their life, right? But like if I, if I look at myself but also everybody else, that um, with these eyes of humility, that like it's all a gift, um, then I can look on them with compassion, right? And say, like, I need to, one, I need to pray for them and help them to receive that gift that God desires to give to them and to know that He might want to use me, right? To help them receive that gift of His grace and love. Um, so that's the first thing I'd say. The second thing um, would be, I think, the one of the biggest graces is a person. Um, that I've grown in friendship with. His name is Leroy. Leroy, um, I met Leroy, gosh, like six years, seven years ago. Um, and Leroy grew up in Illinois on a farm. And then a little later on in life, moved to the city and got, um, you know, he just started to kind of run with some crowds that, um, you know, he found himself in situations that, where uh, he chose some things that were, were were not good, that were crimes, that hurt a lot of people. And um, I've seen, or I guess probably the best way to say it is one, one day early on, we had Leroy and LaToya over for dinner. And um, I saw a scar in Leroy's shoulder, you know, and I said, hey, Leroy, tell me about that scar. You know, every scar is a story, right? Mm. And little did I know about Leroy's story. He said, "No, Corey, it's a bullet hole." I'm like, oh, okay. No, <laughs> you know, got it. But he, but he started to open up. You know, just like this was my life, right? This is, these are the decisions I made. These are the consequences of my decision. Um, I hurt a lot of people, and I lost a lot of people. And so I asked him, like, you know, what, what changed? Like, what's different? And he said, you know, Jesus, like, Whoa. Jesus saved me, and. Every day I get a text from Leroy. Every single day. No way. For the last two years. This isn't a joke. <laughs> he just texts me good morning with some emojis. Um, when I come home from work, like he's his his apartment is like outside my backyard. He looks out once in a while and says, hey, Corey. You know, and so it's pretty often we'll talk or he'll come over for a bonfire. Um, our kids have grown up to, or have grown up. They've become friends, you know, over the last few years, which has been really cool. Um so yeah, I think that the grace has been developing a friendship, you know, with a 40-year-old, you know, man who's lived a long, a long life and made a, a, some tough choices, just like I have. You know, mm. I've made choices, maybe not in the same degree, but that have not been good as well, you know. Yeah. But yeah, a man that doesn't look like me, doesn't talk like me, doesn't sound like me, um, but like he's taught me what it means means to be a friend and to provide for and look out for one another, you know. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. I, it's so crazy, like the things that God chooses to bless us with that we would never imagine mm-hmm. for ourselves, but end up being amazing. You yeah. know, I, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I have another question. <clears throat> Has there ever been a time like? I know you said that your wife was really on board with this and that yeah. she was really, you know, the one who was looking at. You know, teens to adopt. Yeah. Has there ever been a time though where one of you has felt really strongly about one, like a part of your mission yeah. or doing something, and the other has been like, 
nope, I don't want to do that. That's <laughs> not something that I feel called to. And like, how did you handle that? Yeah. Yeah. I think like the adoption uh, early on is probably a really good example of that. Is, mm-hmm. um, I would say there's certainly been moments where like we're exploring something like, what do you think about doing this? Or um, and as any, any couple does, right? Yeah. About anything. Um, and But I would say the more that we turn towards the Lord, like together, the clearer our desires and more unified our desires become, mm. you know? But I would also say that there's still a step in faith that's required, you know? Like it's never like, yes, I 100% know that we have to do this particular thing mm. or we have to make this choice, um, you know, but that there is a, a unity in, in, in choice together. Like, okay, we're going to choose this together. And, you know, every indicator that we're receiving from God and from the, our community around us is pointing to this being a good choice. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, so there's, you like with the adoption thing, obviously yeah. you ultimately yeah. decided that this was what you wanted as well. Yeah. Um, and I just think that that's amazing. I know like I've had... I actually have right now some friends who are struggling with that where it's like, so they're married and yeah. one member of the party is like super excited about doing X, Y, Z. And the other is like, I really don't want to do this, you know? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I just think it's wonderful. Like you were talking about turning to the Lord as a couple and how your desires kind of become unified and that mm-hmm. I appreciate that it's not just one of you like dragging the other into this and saying, no, yeah. this is what we're going to do as a couple. It's like, you both kind of have this united front as a couple that mm-hmm. this is your mission. Yeah. And I think that like that is actually a really good thing to keep in mind as like teens listening to this. Like the goal is like get to know the voice of the Lord in your own life because if the Lord calls you into marriage, like you're going to have to be learning how to listen to him, right? It's not yeah. like mm-hmm. oh, I have to, you know. Right. Like, I guess what I'm saying is like, there's, there's an action step now, yeah. right? In that preparation of like, get to know the Lord, hear what yeah. his mission is for mm-hmm. you. Because what I'm hearing you say, Corey, is that like, because you and Alicia both strive to listen to the Lord yeah. and now together as a couple, like the mission is being unveiled before you. Like, for it's sure. not like a, com- com- like a competitive, like, I want this, you want this. Like, it's like the Lord yeah. is uniting, is yes. uniting that. And, and actually kind of along those lines, like, obviously I think learning or like hearing your witness of your domestic church in your family life in your marriage is is powerful for all of us unmarried people to mm-hmm. hear and also though i think like there are action items that like as teens like our teens can take today like mm-hmm. from what you're saying mm-hmm. like what would you maybe how would you speak to that like what can mm-hmm. what can the, the teens listening mm-hmm. today be inspired to do or be challenged to do based mm-hmm. on the things that you're sharing mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I would just point back to my, like every decision that, not every decision, but like the way that I live my life or strive to live my life as a husband and as a father, as a man, um, is is inspired and formed and molded by my own father. And I, I got to watch him for, you know, 18 years of my life and I guess even now 30 years of my life, watch him serve my family. It, you know, I can honestly say I do not remember a single time when I wanted my dad to be somewhere and he wasn't present. Wow. Yeah, like not once. And, like, I can't even say that. My kid, my oldest, like, 21, you know, um, 
But like Ames, like he's six years old. I can already say in his six years of life, there's been things that he's wanted me to be at, but I wasn't there, you know, just mm-hmm. from circumstance or schedule or whatever. Um, but just so that presence that my dad modeled. Um, but I also like watched him love and serve my mom radically and powerfully. And that, um, you know, we, when we would do things as a family, like he was always so willing and ready just to do like, what, 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 you know, what do the boys want to do? What do you guys want to do? I have two, two younger brothers. Right. And I think like looking back, I, like I was pretty selfish. I think I still am selfish. Um, growing, I'm working on it, but to say like, that's, you don't like get to be a great husband or a great wife or a great priest or a great sister, right. Or a great religious brother by like just future, just magically appear right mm-hmm. now. I'm all of a sudden I'm going to be selfish, selfish, selfless because I'm mm-hmm. holy, you know, Can't say it. no, so like hard. you got to choose. Just yeah. Now. It's so hard. You got to choose it. For, you got to choose it today. Like, yeah. You know, like if you can't like, so yeah, um, recently our, our pastor, Father Kevin, um, he talked about joy, right? These two, two related, um, approaches to joy. The first being like just one. Yes. J O I just one. Yes. Right. Mary's just one. Yes. Brought us Christ. Um, today I just have to say yes, just one. Yes. Just right now in this moment, I just have to say yes to you, Lord. Yes. To the people before me. But then he talked about this other part of joy being uh, just offer yourself. Like, right, the, the the secret to Christian happiness is the gift of self. It's love, right? It's mm-hmm. like, how am I going to offer myself today? And yeah, I would say like, yeah, we were in a pressurized, like um, pressure cooker, pressurized pressure cooker um, at <laughs> homes, you know, being in quarantine or whatever we're calling this state, safe, safe at home order. Um, but like, yeah, this is hard. It's super hard. And I think it's okay to acknowledge that. And it's okay to feel that it's hard. But we also have to like look towards Christ and say, you know what? The cross is really hard too. <laughs> and he offered himself. And so like, okay, so I'm stuck in my house, not being crucified. And like, I can't offer myself because I want to watch my show on Netflix or whatever. I'm sick of my sister. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just one yes. I like that. I like that a lot, too. It makes me think of um, the Frozen 2 song, The Next Right Thing. Like, all I have to do is the next right thing. Pat Malay is obsessed with Frozen. and he I hate always, Frozen 2, so I'm like I, making faces. No, I didn't it. like oh. it at all. I thought it was a terrible movie, but I did like that song. And she was talking <laughs> about doing the next right thing. And I thought that was really yeah, cool. I got to go listen like, to that again. You just have to focus on doing the next yeah. right thing. And yeah. I was like, that's so valid, actually, that, you know, we don't need to look at it as like, oh, I have to spend all day with my family today. Yeah. It's like, no, who are you with right now? Yeah. What are you being asked to do right now? How can you make a gift of yourself right, right now? now? Which seems really counterintuitive. Like, oh, in order to be happy, you have to make a gift of yourself like it just sounds like pour yourself and out. it doesn't what? feel yeah. fun in the moment yeah you know it's like oh i really don't want to do the dishes right now or i really don't want to watch the show that my sister wants to watch right now and you don't think it's going to make you happy when you choose to do it yeah. right but it ultimately does well i think too like what's so interesting about like the the older i get uh the more i learn about like holiness is really not meant to be this glamour show like it's like i don't want to just do one the next one thing like come on i want to like 
do this great crazy thing. like you just it's it's yeah. easy I think like in our world and the way we've been formed as a culture to like look at the extravagant like this is gonna be me in the future yeah. and yet like the reality is that like that's not how it works like we have to just choose today and then I think I can say I think we can all say at this table that like we've slowly mm. like as we do that like our happiness does increase mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. I look back and I'm like I am so much happier now than I was when I first started to like intentionally follow Jesus yeah. um, and it hasn't been extravagant but it's been yeah. fulfilling mm. and um, and this like slow mm -hmm. like opening of joy well, you know waves too mm -hmm. there's for sure know, I've had moments where I'm like, gosh, I'm so unhappy right now. And I had a youth minister in high school who said, she was like, if you're depressed, go do something good for someone else because you're thinking about yourself too much. And I was mm, like, dang, I love that. you know, that's intense. But I found it to be true. And one time I was having a bad day. I was in a bad mood. And I was FaceTiming with one of my friends. And she was like, Lexi, you got to go. I think I said this actually in another podcast. She was like, you got to go to that homeless shelter that you were talking about. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to do that right now. Like, I have yeah. too many of my own problems going on. I don't need to go serve other people right now. Like, I have yeah. my own crap to worry about. And, of course, right. when I actually went, I left in such a better mood. And yeah. ready to tackle the stuff that was waiting for me back at home. You right. know? And so, anyway, kind of translating it back into your guys' story. I just think it's cool that you guys are... First of all, focused on serving each other as a family, yeah. but then also focused on serving the world mm. and how those kind of two things like feed each other, Yeah, you know, that they, mm -hmm. the world gives back and also mm -hmm. your family gives back out to the world. So right. that's, that's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> so we may not be able to go to mass right now. We may not be in the four walls yeah. of our building, but like, yeah. we are, we are all in a domestic church. Even Lexi and I, we're not like physically related, but like, mm -hmm. this is our, like, we're called to that as well, to that school of love as the church calls it, right? Like we're learning yeah. that love. Learning and this is an opportunity. Day. This is an opportunity. Like, right. actually I was saying this Lexi earlier. So Father Johnson is the pastor at uh, Holy Family, which is nearby where Lexi and I live. And we've been listening to his homilies and whatnot. And, um, and he was talking about like how there's this tendency to want to like get out of the house right now. Like, oh, I just, just want to leave. Like, I just want to stop being with my siblings and my parents and whatever. And he like in the middle of his homily, like after he said that, he just said, stop. And it just like shook me because he was just, his point was like, this is an opportunity. Like, I think it's so tempting right now to just be like, oh, I can't wait for this to be over. Once this is over, then my life will go back to normal. Like, this is life right now. Mm. Like, this is mm. an opportunity. This is not outside yeah. of God's hands. Like, yeah. the, like, the Lord never wills what is evil. He didn't will Corona. Yeah. But he is always taking what is what is bad and making good out right. of it. And this, I think, is one of the things he wants to make good out of yeah. it. He has, so, like, where he, wants he has you where he right wants now. you. Like, this is where you're going to grow in love. Not once it's over. Right now. Yeah, for sure. So. Yeah, I just, I, I know this, like, image keeps coming back. Is, But, you know, there's a storm. And Jesus is sleeping in the boat, right? Mm. And they wake him up because they think they're going to drown. And, um... And then Jesus, like, he turns to Peter and he just says, take heart, right? Like, calls him on the water and he says to Peter, like, take my heart. And I think that, like, right now in our circumstance, sometimes, like, there's things that we got to change, we got to fix, we have to heal. But sometimes we just have to 
There's a cat in my armpit. <laughs> Sorry um, for laughing. I just, no, it's yeah. okay. It's fine. Um, but sometimes, <laughs> this is great, but sometimes uh, a cat, in, the, in my circumstance, right, with the cat in my armpit, I don't know what she's doing. She just has her head I can't even buried in his armpit. I don't know why. Oh, my God. That's so weird. That cat's so weird. Okay. okay. This is such a deep moment. Stupid I cat. know. Okay. It's okay. In our circumstances, in our, please yes. continue. Yeah. So I've been reflecting a lot on um, just the storms, right, that we encounter and that we face and how sometimes like we can be so paralyzed by the storm around us that we fail to like um, keep our eyes fixed on Christ, you know, that, yeah, like there's a situation that I'm in um, and that I need to like maybe I need to maybe make some changes to get out of the storm or I need to ask for help. Um, But like so like right now for example like if you're struggling like and you've been a total tool to your mom or dad like you might need to say sorry like you got to make that choice but you have to like look towards christ you know and know that like when i fix my gaze back upon him like he offers me his heart you know mm-hmm. take heart so take heart yeah beautiful mm-hmm. take heart my friends he says, I have overcome the world. He says that later. And we're celebrating Easter still. So we Heck get to yeah. we get to relish in that reality um, every day. The cat is now laying out my notebook. Okay. So I, no, I know I love the um, Pope Francis was talking about this too. He was talking about the need to apologize. Mm-hmm. Like within the context of your family, especially when you're in close quarters with each other. And he was like that is one of the main things that's needed to have healthy relationships is a willingness to forgive and a willingness to apologize. Mm. So I think it's really cool that you just were talking about, you know, like yeah. I screwed up and I need to go and say I'm sorry. And then also if someone, you know, screws up against us, we have to be willing yeah. to say that. Right. We have to really be willing to forgive as well. And I yeah. just know that right now as we're living life in close quarters with other people, like we're bound to screw up. We're bound to do things that are selfish and that are, yeah. you know, stupid. And so I think it's really important for us to yeah. have the humility to apologize when we know that we've done something wrong for sure. in day in day out situations, not just big stuff, but also yeah. like, Hey, sorry. I, you know, didn't, sorry. I didn't clean up after myself or sorry. I decided, you know, I demanded the TV or whatever. It's like, if you find that you did something wrong, you know, we have to be willing to apologize. I think that's a concrete, tangible way to like love your family better is having a willingness to apologize and a willingness to forgive as well. Yeah. And like, I think we also have to like, just acknowledge that just because you're frustrated, like, cause you haven't been outside of your house two weeks. It isn't like a license to be a jerk. Yeah. Right. I'm so like, I wouldn't be like this if I wasn't here. And then I'd be nicer. Like, no. Right. You probably like, wouldn't That's not how this that's works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and I think that's why we need perspective. You know, like yeah. we have to inform ourselves. Um, two weeks ago, we had a funeral for a woman or for a man. The only people at his funeral were his, his wife and one of his children. Everybody else had to stay home because they were in mandated quarantine. Oh, my gosh. Um, can only have a funeral for 10 or less people and so it was this woman this man a priest a musician and me oh and here you know here i'm complaining sometimes that like i gotta spend some extra time with my kids at home right or i have to work try and work from home um or i'm sick of my my sister or whatever um i think like we have to have that perspective you know but then also to know of the examples of hope right like um 
you know, I just heard a story the other day of a priest who offered, um, right, who like offered his ventilator to a younger person and then passed yeah. away, right? Exactly. Like, I mean, how, so in the midst of my chaos, if I want, if I want, if I, if I make myself my gift of myself, if I just offer myself, right, that is how I will encounter, right, Christ. That's how I will find peace, the Prince of Peace in this, right, the struggle right now. You know, well, even in the midst of the cat in your armpit. <laughs> yes. Oh, kitty. Kitty, kitty. She's an adventure. She We're is. We're having to, to learn how to love amidst having a cat. I, I actually had that thought the other day. I was like, Lord, I think you're trying to teach me. I've been like, I need to grow in patience. And I, oh, yeah. I am the worst with this cat. I am yeah. so impatient with her. Like, she drives me nuts. And yeah. I don't hide it very well at all. Yeah. And I'm like, well, maybe this is like the Lord giving me a very concrete way to grow in patience. Yeah. Because I have a roommate who doesn't really make me have to grow impatience too much, but this cat well, does. Obviously not. Oh, yeah. Wow, so, this cat's a gift. Maybe you. A gift. Maybe you should take the cat Absolutely after Lexi not. leaves. She would never. She would never. First of oh, all, and my I don't. Gosh. I'm not convinced my cat would be alive. Oh in the my next year. gosh! Seriously. Yeah. I mean, no, I would not murder your cat. Have I killed her yet? No. <laughs> cutting this part out maybe anyways all right Corey. thank you for being here today thank you so much and i'm sorry i hugged you on the way in i totally forgot about don't corona. admit that don't. on here we're not it was gonna, an accident we're That's gonna cut that saying. out we're cutting it's out okay. Let me start it's, it's okay thanks Corey, for being here today <laughs> uh super great to have you here yeah with us. i'm I so glad it. i got to come yeah super yeah. good i know cool. I, uh, it's good to see you guys yeah, we're you too. To have you. We are. Awesome. Well, happy Easter, guys. Continue celebrating this octave and then the the rest of Easter after that cuz Easter season. Woohoo. It's a long one. It's a long one. Oh. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.